You're listening to Rosie on the House. And a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you all. It's 8 o'clock. It's the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the House, and it's the first Saturday of the month, so we're talking farm fresh, and we have Julie Murphy, spokeswoman for the Arizona Farm Bureau, in studio with us, along with Duncan Farms. Our topic today is hot breakfast. What we try and do is connect connect whatever local commodities coming off our farms and ranches with you, the Arizona homeowner, so your food is fresh, local, and you support local agriculture. But before we get to Julie and Duncan Farms, we've got Arizona Farm Bureau President Steph Smallhouse on the line because she was in D.C. for this big, what was it, signing, Steph? It was the signing by the president of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, uh, folks called the USMCA. Now, I have seen headlines and heard about this all week long, but honestly, when we're preparing for a show, I usually can't stop and focus on every news story. So I might see a lot of headlines, but I don't always get a lot of detail. What does it mean for us? Well, uh, you're probably in the same boat as most folks, and I know that we usually talk on the show about local and um, local sourcing, but exports are vital to Arizona agriculture, and, and a lot of folks don't realize that, and especially during times of abundance like we have right now in our country, good economy. Uh, farmers and ranchers produce a lot of food. We're pretty efficient, and so exports are pretty important. So about 20% of a farmer's income comes from exports, and we ship out to about 70 different countries from just from Arizona ag products, and that's about 12% of our farm sales. So, so this new agreement with USMCA, extremely important to, uh, to both Arizona, but put to the country as a whole, but just to jump in the details a little bit, um, so NAFTA was passed in 1994, and from the time that it passed, we went from selling about $9 billion to Mexico and Canada to increasing to about $38 billion. And so that means about a third of our ag products in the United States go to Mexico, and about a third go to Canada. So just to stress how important the update of this agreement was. Um, so it, the USMCA maintains a tariff-free environment. So we're, we, we kept that in place, which was good. We have truly free trade in between the, the three countries. But what happened with this agreement was that um, Canada has opened up unprecedented access for dairy. They've created a, a more fair playing field for wheat grading, which means they're going to grade our wheat the same that they grade their wheat, so they don't discriminate. And about 94% of the fresh beef market in Canada comes from the U.S. And so we grow wheat here. We have a big dairy industry, and we have a big beef industry in, in Arizona. So that's, that's important for us. Uh, Mexico, uh, we have about 83% of the fresh beef market in Mexico. Dairy's always been important in a significant market. About 60% of what's processed in Tempe goes to Mexico at the dairy plant. And then, of course, we've always had a lot of produce, fruits, and vegetables going back and forth across the, the border, and pork is a... Uh, is a pretty important market as well. Well, and pork's going to be a pretty important topic uh, as we get into our hot breakfast. I mean, what's, what's a good hot breakfast without some warm bacon? But th- these numbers are just mind-blowing to me. You said exports right now account for 25% of a farmer's income in Arizona. Did I catch that correctly? Yeah, it's about it's about 20%, and that's, and that's pretty general across the country. So 
pretty much agriculture across the board, we have about 20% of our income that comes from, from exports. That's pretty significant. And the numbers you gave in the, in the billions are just mind-boggling. And agricultural in Arizona is a $23 billion industry? We're going to need a new number pretty soon. For instance, like in 2016, we shipped about $250 million worth of vegetables to Canada, about $76 million worth of fruit, about $5 million worth of dairy. Um, and that's just Canada. So obviously we're shipping more more to Mexico. So it's pretty significant for, for Arizona. The other thing is, you know, there's some complex things in these agreements that most people in the public don't understand, but it's, it's worthy of talking about. Um, there's these things called sanitary and phytosanitary standards. And, and basically, not to, not to bore your listeners, but it's important because there's some countries that will say, oh, well, we're not going to take your wheat because you use a certain herbicide. And we've just decided arbitrarily that we don't like that herbicide. And so it's not like a tariff, but it's still, it's not fair. And so in this agreement, we have modernized all those standards, so everything's science-based, transparent, and non-discriminatory. And so they can't be making false claims about, about our products. It also, for the first time ever in a U.S. agreement, trade agreement, it addresses um, biotechnology and makes sure that we're being fair on that. So, you know, there's a little more of the boring details, but it's a big deal to a farmer or rancher. So when we're talking export, does that mean, you know, 20% of our export out of the country or across state line? That's out of the country. 20 cents on every dollar for the farmer is dependent on being able to ship our product just cross-border Mexico and Canada. And that other 80%, I love to assume it stays locally here, and that's what we spend the rest of the hour talking about, is connecting you, the listener, and your food to the local sources that produce them right here in Arizona. But as for this new uh, agreement, what's next step? Well, next step is Canada is expected to pass the agreement, and they'll be looking at it sometime in February or March. And then once they uh, pass it, it'll be about 90 days before it uh, before it comes into a, into effect. So we'll have uh, basically this new business with Canada and Mexico, and coupled with China, Japan, the EU, and South Korea, it's looking good for farmers and ranchers for 2020. So we're pretty excited about it. Well, thanks for spending a little time with us this Saturday morning, and we'll let you get on with your ranching operations as we get on to our topic of hot breakfast. Well, it sounds good. It always makes me hungry listening to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for providing beef to us. (laughs) Sure thing. And I didn't get a hot breakfast this morning. Did you, Julie? I did not get a hot breakfast, and I hear that Patty didn't get one either. So we're talking to you hungry, but with Patty's insights with food, I call her one of my Arizona foodies, we're going to be even more hungry so than when we can have our breakfast today. It's going to be even better. But, you know, Stephanie's discussion about trade was so awesome. I just, I want to say drop the mic. I don't know how we can do better than that, except that we have to talk about food and it's important for us to talk also about the local market. So Patty, welcome. Thank you, Julie. We're happy to be here. Yes. And you know, because you're with Duncan Family Farms and you've been embedded with that family for, oh, I need to be careful how I said that, but <laughs> be with, you've been with the uh, Duncan family for a long time now. How many yeah, years? Almost Eight, 10 years. 10 years. And uh, there's nobody better to do what you do. And I know they so appreciate all the work that you do for their farm. But give us an update of what Duncan Family Farms here in Arizona is doing and across the United States, basically. So um, a lot going on. It always seems like we have um, we have 
a lot of irons in the fire, which is a good thing. Uh, so those of you who are are just finding out about Duncan Family Farms, Arnett and Kathleen Duncan, um, Arnett actually is a fourth generation farmer here in the state of Arizona, and our farm our farming operation is out in the West Valley. We're located in Goodyear Buckeye area, and most of what we do is we grow baby tender leaf items. So all of the components that make up the blends for salads, uh, we we have our farm here. Here in Goodyear, but we also farm in the Central Coast in California. We farm in Southern Oregon and in upstate New York. And the reason why we do that is we really like to have our operations geographically diverse for several reasons. It helps us make sure that we are consistently supplying our product to our customers. And it also gives us the ability to be closer to some of our customers and provide that product on a local or regional basis part of the year. Um, and and so our customers are really when you're out buying salads and you have like the um, you're seeing Taylor Farms and Earthbound and Organic Girl and Missionero, those are the customers that we're selling our product to. Yeah, and the Duncan Family Farm, the their traditions, their methods of farming, and they've been with us for so long. It's amazing what they're doing, and I'm excited to hear that they can you know, go across the United States geographically and provide what they're providing for me because I feel a little selfish if I can't get Duncan Family Farm grains into some other homes. So that's really neat what you're doing. What's new? Wow, we have some exciting news coming up. So we have been working on a culinary herb program for the last few years, just, you know, R&Ding and then also distributing on a very small scale with uh, with a current customer of ours. But we are going to be launching a Duncan Family Farms brand um, probably May. So um, keep an eye out for that. We're, we're hoping to, you know, be able to get that here in the local markets. And, and it will be herbs. It, it's all culinary herbs. Okay. So. Your, you know, your chives, your your dill, your rosemary, sage, all you know, those. This is going to be something exciting because just yesterday when I was meeting for lunch with one of my friends, she said, I wish that I had more information on, like, for example, local herbs. Do you know any farmers that are growing them? So you're going to solve her problem. She really likes to experiment with herbs, add it to her flavors. It, it really enhances her food. So Absolutely. I, I wish Absolutely. I could have told her that yesterday. So the whole array of herbs the family will be growing. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. And what else? What else is new? Well, you know, we've um, we've got some broccoli, cauliflower that's coming on. A lot of that is going in for processing as far as, you know, into blends and salads and, and again, you know, going under our customers' labels. But we, with our geographic diversity, we are looking at, you know, how we can diversify, further diversify our portfolio and, and bring new items to market. So, and but right s- now the herbs are, the herbs are big news. That's neat. When you say di- diversify your portfolio, you're not talking about finances. You're talking about crops. One time I said that to uh, an acquaintance. I said, you know, farmers are always looking at how to diversify their portfolio. Portfolios? Well, man, they must be amazing financers. (laughs) And I said, well, some of them are, but it's the crop portfolio. Correct. And the Duncan family has always done that. Real quickly, uh, what what started it? I love the start of where you guys are now from where you were before. 
Well, Kathleen and Arnett started out as small-scale producers. They um, they really focused on, they took their combined passions, and Kathleen's, Kathleen is education, Arnett is farming, and, um, and more specifically, really, really interested in soil health and how you build up soils. And, and when you're organic farmers, it's extremely important, right? You've, I mean, it's important across the board for all farmers, but, you know, I mean, it's it's what we have to just make sure mm-hmm. the soil is very healthy to make sure the plants grow healthy. Right. But um, but they combined both of their passions and had education outreach. So back in the eighties, even before you know people were really all over this. Hey, I, you know, shake the hand of your farmer, know where your food comes from. Kathleen and Arnett saw that. People didn't really know where their food came from, and ag was really getting kind of a bad rap. And they wanted to educate people on the benefits of having farms in your community, and they were extremely successful with that um, with that part of the operation. And unfortunately, we we had to close that down. It was um, the agritourism, mm-hmm. and-, and we were we were probably I want to say we got up to thirty five to forty thousand visitors coming through, mostly children that would come through and learn about where their food was coming from and how it was grown. In a given season, correct? Correct, and, okay. correct. And, you know, we still, people remember us from that. Right. They remember us from that. So. That's neat. We had fun. I went there myself. They all asked about you Down on the farm The cows asked, the pigs asked And the horses asked you First Saturday of the month. 8 o'clock hour, Outdoor Living Hour. We're talking farm, fresh commodities. We try and connect what's currently and harvest with uh, right from our local Arizona farms and ranchers with uh, you, the listening audience, to uh, enjoy a fresh, wholesome meal. And that brings me to the biggest bone I have to pick in this hour right now. All this conversation about food, and I know this topic coming up. I didn't get a hot breakfast. It used to be I could go without breakfast. That was fine. Lunch and dinner. Never eat breakfast. I'm completely reversed. I have to have breakfast. Dinner, take it or leave it. Just depends on what we're doing. And Northern Avenue is great. They've got the new uh, expanded freeway coming in, Northern Parkway. They got the bridge over the Agua Fria. One lane's open now. But there is no place on Northern Avenue to get breakfast. A hot breakfast. I won't eat it. Jack and a crack. You can't pay me to eat at Rotten Ronnie's. <laughs> and Parsons Family Restaurant doesn't open till 6. Maybe. If I'm passing Northern Avenue Saturday morning at the 67th Avenue at 6 o'clock, I'm, I'm like 45 minutes late. I don't have time to stop now when I'm already late. <laughs> can't somebody open on Northern Avenue at 5 o'clock Saturday morning for breakfast? Well, maybe <laughs> Patty Emmert, our Arizona foodie, that you you know a lot of people that might be willing to open up a restaurant up here, right? Yeah. I can guarantee you one customer one day a week. There you yeah. go. I think we might need a little bit more than one customer, you know, to, to entice somebody to open up. But but I'm like you, Romy. I can't do life without breakfast in the morning. I love breakfast. My, my routine is two hard-boiled eggs, some citrus or an apple or something like that. But Patty... You know, I called upon you because I knew you'd have answers to this. What are some of the trends with breakfast and especially a good, healthy, hot breakfast? 
Well, um, I think probably the first and foremost trend that we're seeing is, you know, just people really um, concerned about health and incorporating more produce into their into their diets. And I think, you know, the listeners out there, they're probably going, okay, what in the world does Duncan Family Farms who grow salad ingredients have to do with hot breakfast? Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but we are starting to see quite a bit more of or, savory breakfasts coming in. We're expanding in. our portfolio. Exactly. Yes. Expanding the portfolio. Um, but it, you know, health is is definitely a driver. So we're we're seeing the rise of plant based diets. We're we're seeing people trying to reduce their sugar intake. You um, you couple that with breakfast, really kind of blending into an all day affair. So people aren't just eating breakfast items for breakfast anymore. You're seeing dinner items showing up for breakfast, and um, and then in addition to that, I think our palates are expanding as we are exposed to more different cuisines. People are traveling more. They're getting exposed to global cuisines. We have much um, easier and greater access to different types of ingredients. So we're seeing these um, these have an impact on breakfast. So a lot of, I mean, I think one of the, the newest things that I've been seeing out lately, not new, but it's really starting to mainstream is shakshuka, which is got tomatoes and onions and peppers that is um, that's sauteed, but it's more of a brothy and then eggs are cracked on top and baked. Ooh. And you know it's it's wonderful. It's got a lot of um, like the just like Middle Eastern spices in it, so cumin and you know those types of things. So it's a it's just it's a warm breakfast. And in I'm getting flavors hungry. and in and heat. So well, and one of the things that I notice when I go out, if I'm going out to breakfast, which actually is one of my favorite, besides the fact that it is a favorite meal of mine, to go out to eat for breakfast. And I'm noticing a lot of times at some of the breakfast places now that they'll serve a little side salad or a salad right on the plate with like maybe your frittata or, you know, your omelet. And they do start to ask you, well, now, do you want the salad that we typically have with the plate? And I always say yes, but that wasn't common not too long ago. No, no. So that's one of the trends, too. And I think having – so Duncan Family Farms can be on our plate on in the mor- morning – noontime and evening. Yeah. And, you know, people are loving bowl food as well. So, you know, creating that bowl of greens, whether it is, you know, tossed um, mixed greens like a salad or even sauteing greens like chards or spinach or, you know, any type of green that's a little bit heartier, kales that you can saute and put a poached egg on top. I love breakfast salads. I, I mean, I love eggs in the morning, so I like to incorporate it with sautéed greens on toast or do that breakfast salad combination. So greens, and we're the state to be doing that because it's the winter and it's the peak of the Yuma leafy greens season. The same right. thing for Duncan Family Farms here in, in the Maricopa County area. Correct. And so uh, we need to add those greens to our breakfast is basically what you're saying to us. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So how do you do breakfast on a regular basis then? I know you just kind of mentioned some of what you do, but what's typical for you? So during the week, you know, when I'm when I'm in the morning getting up and going to work, it's it's very much like what you do. I'm I'm doing like e- either two soft boiled eggs or hard boiled eggs because they're easy to grab and run with, and um, and then a piece of fruit and a cup of coffee, and that's kind of that's my it. that's my my deal. But at lunchtime, I am definitely doing doing greens, doing greens, good. More with Arizona Farm Bureau and Duncan Family Farms here at Rosie on the House right after this. Bacon, egg, and sausage. Double chocolate. 
Before we get back to our topic on breakfast, and y'all have a, a lot of great talking points for this segment, tell me about uh, what y'all did this week down at the state capitol. Yet, generally, um, that's the Department of Ag uh, right. does the, the Congress breakfast. They kind of ho- allow us to host breakfast. it there. Yeah, con- con- yeah. or uh, legislative. Legis- okay, yes. there you go. So every January, Arizona Farm Bureau hosts our legislators, and we have all of our booths from our 14 active Farm Bureau counties, there's 15 obviously in the state, but we have 14 active Farm Bureau counties. And each one of those counties has a booth with all sorts of stuff and highlights their agriculture, obviously. Well, normally ADA or Arizona Department of Ag has allowed us to have it in their building, which is kind of neat and a tradition. And it's a neat old building of some of these. It is a beautiful building. Yes, it's actually a beautiful building. But this year we had it out on the grounds at the Capitol right opposite the house and uh, out on the grass and we could spread out and last year we had maybe 54 of our legislators show up well this year it was well over 60 of our legislators show up so we're convinced that and we also had it during the noon time instead of in the evening so we're kind of convinced that that's part of it the reason we've made that shift is we're prepping by the way for our 100th anniversary Arizona wow. Farm Bureau's 100th anniversary that's how long we've been here not how long I've been here but <laughs> <laughs> how long Arizona Farm Bureau's been here and so the legislators came out and we got to talk to them about our 23.3 billion dollar industry and each one of the legislators is assigned a host a.k.a. a farmer or rancher from one of the counties, and then they can chat with them. So the legislator has an opportunity to say, okay, how's farming in your neck of the woods, so to speak, here in the state of Arizona? And it's been a very successful event for very many years, and we were very excited about this year's event. So, And we didn't have breakfast, but we did serve them a wonderful barbecue lunch. Yeah. And props to Bruce Kane from Bar- Farm Bureau Financial Services, uh, who's on the insurance side of the Farm Bureau family. And there is nobody that does barbecue like him. He, It was amazing. And we barely, my um, boss, Philip Bashaw, CEO of Arizona Farm Bureau, and I were kind of almost the last two people to eat. <laughs> they were scraping. There wasn't much left by the time we got there. So it, it was a great event. But back to breakfast. And we didn't get to hear what you cook on the weekends, Patty. Well, the weekends vary. So week, the weeks are obviously, you know, you're, you're rushed, you're crazy, you're getting out the door for work. So weekends, we definitely like to spend a little bit more time on breakfast. And that typically happens on Sunday mornings for us. And, um, I, you know, one of my, our kind of go-to favorite thing is getting some really good bread. My favorite bread in town comes from Noble. So really good artisan bread. Jason does a phenomenal job and toasts that up saute whatever greens that I have picked up either at the farm or the market and um, do a nice poached egg on top with herbs. And sometimes we'll throw in sauteed onions, but Mm -mm -mm -mm. that and just a nice latte on the side. And I'm a happy camper. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. So you have to tell me, I know you probably pick up some greens from the farm, but what other farmer's markets do you visit? Um, Well, because we always like to get props. 
give yeah. props to our markets. And I, you know, I live out uh, in the West Valley. So the closest for me, and it's it's fantastic, is Blue Sky Farms. So oh, yeah. David Vos yeah. has got a Very store um, and stocks that with all kinds of stuff. And good. he carries noble bread so I don't have to drive clear in town to get my bread so that makes me very happy a good incentive but in town I mean you know I, there are so many great markets around and I've always gone to the downtown public market has really kind of been my place to go because again just from you that's know just an ease to get to it's the quickest one for me to get to and on the east side because that's where I live I go to the Gilbert farmers yeah market. yeah Gilbert's that's great. a really good one too so you know, we were talking about healthy breakfasts, hot breakfasts, but, you know, we can't give up our pancakes on a weekend when dad gets up and he actually cooks breakfast for the kids. Sometimes that's a family tradition. What, how can we make our pancakes a little bit healthier? Well, um, one of my favorite ways for a savory pancake are shard pancakes. So, and I have to give props to to Charlene Badman of F and B because she's the one who really awesome. turned me on to these. And um, and we actually there's a program called Blue Watermelon Project where it's a it's Charlene's project activated chefs in the valley to go into schools and teach healthy eating. And Charlene went in and made shard pancakes for the kids at the school, and they gobbled it up. So it was, awesome. you know, just just a good way to if you still want those pancakes in the morning but you want to make them a little bit healthier, you know, add in some herbs, some sauteed onion, saute that chard up, put it in there. I mean, it's just like making a regular pancake. You're using eggs and milk and flour, but you're adding savory ingredients to it. And the kids eat them. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh very creative ways to do that. You know, Romy, one of the things I I usually come in with some fun food facts. Well, this time I really didn't because Fill Your Plate's just loaded with quite a few breakfast type of articles on our blog. And obviously some of our recipes feature that. But I'm feeling that Fill Your Plate, and I'm hoping maybe you can help me with that, Patty, that we provide some of those savory pancake recipes because I know the families would try them. If yeah, we, we could definitely yeah, do that. Yeah, if we have them available. But pancakes being what they are... Um, there's other flowers that we can even use. There's the mesquite flower, and I believe on Fill Your Plate, you, that's searchable. What are some of the other flowers that we can potentially use? Or, we, you know, just base or medium main ingredients? I mean, you you know, there's we've got the white Sonoran wheat that's and um, the icorn flower that is, that's being produced here. And, you know, you're seeing... A, a rise in these different types of grains and flowers that are coming into the marketplace. So it's always a great idea to, to grab some of those. Just start experimenting because the flavor profiles on them, I mean, you mentioned mesquite flour. I love chocolate chip cookies made with mesquite flour. It just gives it a little bit of a different flavor. And, um, and at the same time, when you're finding those folks that are bringing back and reviving some of these heritage grains, supporting them is a good thing to do. So, And we've had quite a bit of recognition, especially with the Sossaman Farms, with yep. some of our ancient grains. Absolutely. And what uh, Steve Sossaman is doing with that. And it's kind of fun to know that we can go back, uh, metaphor intended here, to our roots with some of these amazing ancient grains and incorporate them in, even into our breakfast. So yep. it's yep. very valuable and important to do. So I'm feeling that I've got to incorporate incorporate a lot more variety into my breakfast, including the savory tastes and all that stuff. What have you told yourself that you still need to try that you haven't done for a breakfast? 
Wow. Um, I have not. I have eaten shakshuka like in many different restaurants, but I've never made it. So that's something and I explain I keep, that. So that's I mean, you're you're again, you're sauteing, it's not anything really, you know, crazy, but you're sauteing onions and garlic, you're um, typically it's it's a it's canned tomatoes. So you want that juice so that it is kind of liquidy. But you cook that down with different herbs and spices. And then you crack your eggs on top and literally poach them on top of that. And you can mm-hmm. saute spinach and again, shards, kale or whatever, put that in there um, if you'd like to add more greens into it. But, and, you know, we're talking about a lot of greens, but I, I have to say, I love my bacon and my sausage. And so, you know, I was waiting for that. Yeah. So, you know, kudos out there to our farmers and ranchers that are, that are raising pork and beef for us to to enjoy. So you keep talking healthy. I'm like, that's the one, (laughs) that's the one meal I don't care. Yeah. Load me up. It's the beginning of the day. I got all day to burn it off. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I, I, you know, I certainly have tried to increase my fruits and vegetable intake just, just to be more healthy. Um, And I think that, you know, when you're, when you're eating, it's in moderation, right? It's, it's, it's everything in moderation. So, and, and I respect people who, you know, have different, different diet platforms and there's nothing wrong with that, but. And. That's the neat thing here in America. We have the opportunity to really experiment with the things that we like. But I, I'm like Romy. I sometimes I just like a good old bacon and egg breakfast. You know, too too over easy for me. And then some bacon, and then all certain, sorts of certain comfort foods. Yeah, yeah. certain Yes. Comfort. Yesterday I was out hiking a lot, and uh, when I got home after dark, Jennifer said, "What would you like for dinner? A scrambled egg sandwich?" I thought that sounds perfect. Just, yeah. Two pieces of toast and a scrambled egg. Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes nothing is better than breakfast for dinner, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. And we haven't really talked about that, but that's very popular t- a lot of times with families. Julie mentioned on Fill Your Plate, fillyourplate.org. If you look at, you can search under breakfast and it brings up all those recipes. And there's really a nice variety on here. Everything from an acai berry bowl healthy all the way to the big papa scramble, protein scramble. Lots of good choices. And well, even- one, one successful thing of this broadcast is now every Sunday morning before church, when I have my Sunday morning breakfast, I can feel guilty. Because <laughs> it's sausage, boudin, bacon, and Jennifer's homemade biscuits. But you're going to church and. <laughs> Hallelujah! Yeah, get rid of that I, guess, I guess I'm going to have to add a slice of cantaloupe to that or yeah. something. They'll forgive your sins. Don't yes. worry about it. Romy, what's your favorite breakfast? So I've got forever it has been boudin, and it still is. Cajun sausage boudin. It is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. And my favorite thing about it is once you heat it up, you can just leave it out and, and chew on it all day. Come back and cut another slice, cut another slice, cut another slice. Well, I still prefer a boudin, but another really good one, and the kids actually, uh, of the four kids, more of them prefer this. Have you ever had uh, Portuguese linguiça? Yes. That's very good. Yes. So that is a new discovery that uh, – well, not uh, new to the kids. And since they have discovered that um, – that, that seems to be what we end up having more than anything. And it's like Buddha. You, you heat it up, you cook it, and all day long you come back, cut another slice, cut another chunk, whatever, and just kind of munch all morning long. It, it's good hot. It's good cold. Do you cook it? Is, is that your 
what you create? Or? You know, generally, um, Amanda will cook breakfast for everybody. On weekends, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes the dad cooks. We'll, we'll share a lot on the weekends, uh, the cooking. But generally, uh, she's already got breakfast ready by the time everyone's through the showers and beds made and everything. During the summer, breakfast was a big routine for us because so we're all out of school. Mom and dad have plenty of jobs for us on the farm. And during the farm back then... Um, it was either trimming trees in the pistachio orchards or tr- chopping weeds in the cotton field. And so a summer morning breakfast for us had to be hearty because we were, metaphorically speaking, again, plowing through a lot of things. And I'm telling you, by midday, if you hadn't had a good hearty breakfast, you were going to feel it. So mm-hmm. breakfast to er- to us as a family were really important. And you can... you. For me, I eat less during the rest of the day if I have a good breakfast. I don't yeah. I don't ever feel like I'm trying to catch up on my hunger. Breakfasts just... wake me up. That's why I think they're valuable. Well, I may be – that is partially because I'm adding a cup of coffee to it. But... <laughs> Jennifer started adding avocado to practically every breakfast she eats. Half an avocado, pull the seed out, poach or fry an egg, drop it in that hole, sprinkle bacon crumbs across the top. I'm going to have to try then that Then after one. she leaves, I have to throw some hollandaise sauce on it. And an avocado is a very healthy fat for An us. avocado toast has just been all the rage for yeah. a while. And you can do it so many different ways. So many different ways. How do you do it? Um, it, it varies. I mean, one of my, just from a very simple standpoint, again, is get some of that good noble bread and toast it and put the avocado on top. And then I just usually do a little bit of fresh squeezed lemon juice, salt and pepper, and I use Aleppo pepper on it. So, yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Gary, find a pre-recorded play nine o'clock we'll all go to breakfast yes. and then we'll come back yeah. and do 10 <laughs> yeah. let's do a, i'll bring let's, you something let's do a we'll rerun be, we'll be back in 15 <laughs> it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day Eating my breakfast you know i was looking at the arizona farm bureau commodities wheel that breaks down where uh, what adds up to that $23.3 billion. When you add up all the greens, and these are just leafies, this isn't including broccoli, but uh, cabbage, romaine lettuce, heart lettuce, uh, leafy lettuce, and spinach, that's $720 million of that $23 billion. Uh, pork and hogs, pig and hogs, that's $48 million of our uh, $23 billion agricultural industry comes from that. And that led me to what you had just said, Patty, about going to Shriners next. You know, get out and support a local meat market. You've got the pork shop in Queen Creek that's yep. phenomenal. Yep. Um, and the I meat found, shop, too. The meat shop off yep. of Buckeye. Buckeye, yeah. There's one right here next to the station, Hobie Meats. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're going to Shriners. And Shriners is where uh, Baby K's Cajun Kitchen, I don't know if they still do, but when Grandma Baby K was running. They got all their andouille from Shriners. And when I ever make a, a gumbo anymore, I have to go get my andouille from Shriners. I make a special trip just so it tastes like what, you know, I expect my gumbo to taste like, just like Baby K's. Yep, <laughs> yep. And, you know, Shriners is is really, I mean, they have been here. I've lived in the Valley for 50 years. I don't remember Shriners. And they've never moved. They've never moved. So You, you, don't, remember their, ins- you don't remember their grand opening? No, I don't remember their grand opening. <laughs> yeah, they, they've been here as long as we've been here, I believe. It's the mid-60s they were here. Yeah. 
So, ah, good. There's a lots of good meat markets, and Tucson's got a number of them as well. They were listed in an Arizona Highways article. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was picked for their sandwich, but it's also a meat shop off of. It's kind of on the north side of town, but it's led me to to really, you know, we I don't buy a lot of beef just because we raise our own mm-hmm. but if we have to find something i really try and find those local butcher shops yeah then you know we've we've had a lot more of these pop up i mean you've got arcadia meats as well and then you know and then also the fish you know the fish shops that are coming up like nelson's yes. and uh, and and then um what's the- there's another uh, meat shop that just opened in gilbert i want to say it's off of velvis i could have that wrong but it- yeah. Yeah. And you have Chula Seafood. Yep. I mean, there's, there's, it's great. I love having all the variety and, and seeing that happen. So, and it gives you that feeling of you go to the meat shop to get your meat, then you go to a farmer's market to get your greens, you know. So, the way we used to shop, supermarkets are convenient, but sometimes it's fun to get some things that you can't find anywhere else because you have to go to Shriners or wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, it's special, and I am very hungry for breakfast. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you. You know, as as the kids were growing up, we had four in high school at any one time. And Jennifer and I would always try and have a, a nice breakfast done before they left. And so when you're cooking for eight every morning, um, we kind of devised a, a meal named after a friend of ours, Joe. And Joe taught us on a camping trip how you could uh, – all gratin some potatoes, scramble some eggs, throw in some green onions, maybe even some uh, chili peppers, and melt cheese. And it was like a, a breakfast omelet. We called it Joe Breakfast. And to this day, it's our go-to. We have everybody over the house Christmas morning, and we serve up platters and platters of this Joe Breakfast. But, I mean, we, you only got one pan dirty. I think every family has to have one meal that they've named after themselves. We have Murphy Special, and basically all it is is a goulash, but it is a Murphy Special. We don't eat it for breakfast. Maybe we could, but... (laughs) I think the next time you make that, incorporate some greens into it and see how you can change it up by doing that. Like some chili peppers? No, like some (laughs) spinach or some shard. Yeah, you can saute some spinach into that for sure. Green onion. You green onions. We do. Yeah. We do do green onions. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of green onions. I, I don't. I don't think I've ever had an omelet that had too many green onions in it. I love green onions. <laughs> and I have or a story. I, I have a farm bureau story. I know a lot of kids that are going to be hungry after they get done early this morning. And I think the contest is still going. But you know our Arizona Young Farmer and Rancher program that the Arizona Farm Bureau hosts. Well, out in Casa Grande, they're having a skeet shoot. It's a competition. And uh, they started about 8 o'clock this morning. I'm not quite sure when they're going to get done. I think there's about, I don't know, 50 to 80 competitors. They're obviously in teams. And uh, I was just checking in with Christy Davis, who is our coordinator for our young farmers and ranchers, and uh, <clears throat> specifically last night. And she said, oh, yeah, by the time we get done with a, a skeet shoot, they've done this now for about four years in a row, and it's one of the ways that the, our young farmers and ranchers, speaking of that, because you mentioned your dad would go hunting, but um, so they have the skeet shoot competition. It's one of the ways that they raise money and uh, talk about a bunch of hungry kids after a competition. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it's completely the sidetrack, but it's interesting you mentioned skeet shooting because we actually have 
an interview that we're going to be playing in our Arizona Hour later this month. Oh, cool. We recorded previously with a skeet shooter in Prescott who's trying to qualify for the Olympics right now. Awesome. So, completely sidetracked. No. But azfb.org, you can sign up for your $60 a year membership, get plenty of uh, Farm Bureau benefits, and support local agriculture. Thank you, Romy. Thank you, Romero family. Let's eat. Let's eat. <laughs>